Welcome to Viewpoint Systems. I'm your host, Henry Grosser. It gives me a great pleasure to welcome regular guest for What's Making News and co-host, Russell Hanby. Welcome again to um, What's Making News, Russell Hanby. Thanks, Henry. Always look forward to this little segment. Yeah, me too. It's a lot of fun. We've been doing it for a long time and um, yeah, it's, it's, it's an enjoyable sharing of information and a bit of fun. How are you, by the way? I'm uh, very well, thanks. How are you? I'm even better. Oh, that's good. Yes, I, 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 I sometimes go into shops or to friends just if I'm in one of those moods, Russell, which I, on more than an occasionally, occasion am. And when people say, I say to them, how are you? And they say, good or okay. And they ask me, I go, I'm even better. Uh, and it does, it does have an impact. Uh, you should try it sometime. Yes, I'll do that next time, yes. Yeah, I'll see, it sure. brightens me. People go, oh, gee whiz. The other yeah. one... They will say to you, and I'll, I'll just role model this, I'll go in, I'll say, how are you? And they'll go, not too bad. What do you think my response is to those people on occasion? Uh, do they even better or I'm even better? Or what? No, I play along with them. I go, how are you? They go, not too bad. And they say, how are you? And I go, even worse. Oh, <laughs> they go, even worse. All <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> oh, it gets a laugh. And a reaction, yes. which we all need. We need a bit of a laugh every now and then. Um, Russell, actually, on a laugh, my sister sent me um, a very funny little statement. She knows I work in schools. So she sent me this little uh, statement that um, she found somewhere. Can I tell it to you? Yes. Thank you. She said, if you think the world's in a bad place now, think again. In 20 years from now, those kids who are being homeschooled uh, will have grown up and they'll have been taught by alcoholics. <laughs> <laughs> I mentioned that to someone. They said, oh, does that mean I should have the drink after I do the homeschooling, not before? <laughs> I said, yes. Uh, we're noticing that a lot more um, parents are sending their children to school and we'll come to one of those in our topics later on. But how are you? you don't, have you been looking after your grandchild while you're doing remote learning or any of that sort of stuff? Not particularly, no, no. I mean, like we, well, I FaceTime him every now and again. We FaceTime him that and we'll find out what he's been doing, but uh, I haven't been directly involved. Uh, oh, but a man of your considerable expertise in teaching, you're a teacher, maths teacher, as I recall. I'm surprised you haven't volunteered. Yeah, because well, what happened when he, when he was able to visit here, I did have a maths puzzle book and we used to, before anything else happened, we had to do one of our maths pages for me, so... Uh, that was uh, what we do there, but but lately I haven't been having uh, to do much. No, no. So you're not offering either. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's tough times. Um, now, Russell, we've got some homework, which I have done my homework this week, and you'll be thrilled to get it later on. I finally got it done. Um, which I'm very proud of that fact, but we'll get into what's making news. The age. Aged care pleads for help, not posturing. Federal and state leaders have been slammed for engaging in a blame game over the coronavirus crisis in the aged care sector as industry chiefs demand faster action to find more workers to deal with the emergency. It's a real worry, isn't it, Russell? Yes, and the figures this, later this week haven't been any better. It's sort of... Still, the curve's still rising, isn't it? And the federal government sent the first of five medical assistance teams in Victoria yesterday, as well as uh, 
uh, finding interstate nurses to fill gaps in the aged care workforce. There's hundreds of staff going to isolation. In fact, many of those are affected, and most of the staff have had to go into isolation. Uh, former Age Discrimination Commissioner Susan Ryan said the handling of the aged care sector reflected a lack of respect for the human rights of older people with their right to choose and uh, to choice and dignity. She says the Aged Care Quality and Safety Commission should have been doing a lot more to enforce infection control standards in the sector from the beginning of the pandemic. Uh, the federal government's top health official, Brendan Murphy, said he advised Victorian officials last week to suspend elective surgery. And Prime Minister Mr Morrison texted the Premier on Monday and Tuesday morning to press him to move. But in response, Mr Andrews said some elective surgery had been suspended two weeks ago and he said that he couldn't have done it any faster. And Ms Patricia Sparrow, the Chief of the Age and Community Services Australia, emphasised the need for faster work by authorities to move aged care into hospitals. So there's a lot of finger-pointing going on at the moment too, isn't there? Mm, look, it's um, it's one of those ones uh, that uh, clearly they're under-resourced in the first place and a crisis like this has exacerbated that. It's interesting to look at the what the age presents in the health budget comparisons 2018 and 19. Victoria committed 0.6 of a billion, New South Wales 1.6 billion and Queensland 2.3 billion. So um, the figures don't look too good for Victoria, does it? No. So probably when all this is over, there'll be a big turnaround, hopefully, for the better in, uh, in this organisation. Yeah, and of course, we've got um, in the table public health physicians per 100,000. The Northern Territory is the top at 9.38. Um, a state comparable in size, New South Wales, it's 1.66 public health physicians per 100,000. But here in Victoria, we're at the bottom of the table, 1.23. So clearly, uh, figures like that, um, coupled with the fact that we've got the most coronavirus uh, daily um, numbers, uh, uh, that it's it's collapsing under the pressure. It is. And one in six of the uh, cases are roughly one in six are from the aged care sector. So uh, it's certainly a big problem there, isn't it? Absolutely. It's 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 a very, very big worry. And, of course, with the figures, I mean, they've been up and down all week. They were, what, 400 early in the week, then they dropped to 200 midweek, then Thursday spiked again at 723. Um, it's, uh, it's a long road that's in front of us, Russell. Yes, I mean, you think that uh, we're well into the fortnight now since mask wearing became, they say they need two-week lag to see the effect of things, but uh, it's not going the wrong way at the moment, isn't it? Mm, mm, it, it? It really is, and when you look overseas globally, um, Europe, America, South America, yeah. they're all surging too. That's um, right. And Spain too, are so having a resurgence. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the interesting thing about that is, um, and it's interesting how our knowledge changes so much, Russell, uh, there was a point at time where people said, "Oh, it's a winter. It's a winter disease. It likes cooler, cooler climates." Well, Europe's in summer, and North America is in summer. So, yes. um, th- blow that theory out of the water, doesn't it? It does. It really yeah. does. And you hate to think what happens if it is affected by cold. They've got to go into another winter. You know, a few months away too. Yeah, we need that vaccine, and that's um, that's still some way down the track. And um, you just have to keep your fingers crossed that they find one that works, Russell. You do indeed. 
yes, it's not not a good uh, situation at the moment. Not at all. Now, the um, the Herald Sun, this one relates to school, but I'll let you introduce it as a former teacher yourself and grandparent of a school-aged <laughs> child. <laughs> <laughs> Frazzled parents sending more kids to school. Up to 5% of prep to year 10 students in Melbourne's lockdown zone are attending school as frazzled parents can no longer manage remote learning or juggle work. And uh, in the first uh, lockdown, about 3% of students uh, were at schools. Now it's 4.9% of the Peter year 10 people. They're the ones, of course, that uh, the remote learning's for. And more than 60, in fact, I think I've heard even close to 80 schools, mainly secondary, have, have shut this week after being linked to positive coronavirus tests. And of course, a secondary school that uh, the VCE and VCAL students are at school, they, they seem to be the ones copying these uh, reports of uh, cases. Uh, staff at some state primary schools report twice the number of students are being taught on the campus uh, compared with the last lockdown. And one teacher said, this time around, parents can't take time off like they did before, and uh, many have exhausted all their leave. So that could be one other reason. And are you finding that you're getting more this uh, this time around? Yeah, absolutely, Russell. Um, it's interesting because the numbers of people that are catching COVID-19 has surged in Victoria compared to the same time in term two when we brought this in and um, and secondly we also now know much more about children being uh, catchers of it they can be much more susceptible to it than we earlier thought yeah and today um, this week 79 schools are closed across um, Victoria at the moment which is a large number of schools so yes in the face of that um, the numbers of children statewide rising to nearly 5% prep to year 10. In our school, um, they've almost doubled. We started at 5%. We're now at 10.6%. So we're double the the average. So mm-hmm. it's um, – and given that the dangers and the risk are there, it, 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 is, it is a disturbing pattern. Um, so what are the number? What over a hundred or? Yeah, one hundred and six kids are on our books out of six hundred and thirty-five. Mm. Forty. Yep. Yep. And and, and uh, do you know what the yeah, the, the parents have to work? Is there a? Is that well, the there's a variety of reasons, Russell, that cover areas of disability, right through to parents can't uh, provide that supervision at home for work reasons or others. So. Mm. Um, I noticed that article suggested one teacher at another school suggested that some parents were gaming the system, um, having at that particular school the kids would turn up Monday to Thursday but not on Friday. Oh, I read that, yeah. So so they get a sort of de facto long weekend or something, don't they? Yeah, they'll do that. No, look... um, it's, it, there's no question of it. The longer this goes, the irony is if this keeps going, um, the irony is that really I think the goal is that more kids are remote learning from home, but I can see we're, we're going to do more remote learning from school. <laughs> the numbers are going up, so it'll become a bit of a, uh, a false sort of remote learning thing uh, at, at some point. Uh, you know, you've got so many kids at school that why are you doing remote learning at yeah. school? You've got a teacher at home remote learning them and you've got, you know, I've got 10% of my kids remote learning at school, which is yeah, sort of, um, it certainly makes us raise our eyebrows, Russell. It 
does indeed. And of course, there's no, uh, well, it doesn't look like uh, at the end of this six weeks period, uh, it'll all be back to a so-called normal, does it? You know? Well, I don't know what the new, what the old normal looks like anymore. No, I don't know whether it's the one before or the... <laughs> I don't think yeah. we'll get back to any semblance of a normal until a vaccine's produced because all the evidence suggests, Russell, that you keep on having these waves. As you yes. relax the rules, another wave hits. That's been the pattern. And mm. we probably have to um, find a way to deal with that. And I read that today, too, that the schools have had closed. Many of them aren't hearing back from the DHHS uh, because they haven't got onto this uh, contact uh, business, you know, uh, for eight days, and they just haven't heard what the situation is. So it doesn't help either. No, well, it's anywhere from 48 hours to a week, um, and some have been even longer. Of course, they come in and they close your school, Russell. We've been spending this week at our school these last couple of days packing up all loose items and everything, everything off benches, everything off desks and tables, um, posters and things down, storing them. Because if you don't, when they close, you don't have time to come in and do it. And the, cl- the deep cleaners, when they spray everything, they remove everything off there. And if you're lucky, they put them in a big bag and you come yeah. back and sort them out one day or, yeah. or they get disposed of. Now, it's certainly making um, schools bare-bones schools in many ways <laughs> and then and that's very challenging because you've got to be pulling some of your files out every day and then putting them back in a box. Mm. So I suppose in your, after all your decades of teaching and being a principal, would this year be one of the uh, most challenging you've ever done, I suppose? I wouldn't call it one of the most challenging, Russell. I'd call it the most challenging. <laughs> <laughs> I can't think of another one that even comes remotely. Here goes the word remote. I can't think of one that comes remotely close to it. Um, and, and I think the other part, I was chatting to somebody in another profession the other day, Russ, and um, and his view was he felt empathy for us. And I said, oh, that's nice. And I said, what's that all about? He said, well, in my opinion, this is his opinion, um, you guys are trained educators, but you're really de facto essential frontline uh, workers now um, and that's not what you were trained for doing. Um, you were trained to be educators and uh, uh, I feel sorry for you because, um, yeah, we understand you're doing it but can't be easy. <laughs> I said, thank you. No, it's not. Anyway, we need to take a short break. Can you hold the line? Yes, Welcome back to Viewpoint Sisters. I'm your host, Henry Gross. A limit of what's making news with Russell Hanby. Welcome back, Russ. Thanks, Henry. Right, moving on. Uh, prices plunge amid crisis, according to the Herald Sun. I think we can't really get away from COVID-19. Prices of goods and services have fallen by uh, the most since records began in the 1940s as the coronavirus pandemic upends the economy. What do you want to say about that one, Russell? Yeah, well, it's a, this is quite a rare occasion. It's the biggest per quarterly fall uh, since the index began in 1948. Uh, plunged 1.9% actually in the three months to June, the uh, Consumer Price Index, that measures inflation. Uh, Comsec estimated it was the biggest three-month fall since late 31, the Great Depression. And the annual inflation uh, rate was minus 0.3% in the year to June. And uh, why things sort of contribute to that is the, the fall in prices due to 
the child care being free uh, during this period of time for many people. Uh, also, a crash in the global petrol prices. That's led to a 19.3% drop in our petrol prices over the time. And the preschool and primary school education expenses fell by 16.2%. Without these components, inflation would be around about plus 0.1% for the June quarter. There have things, been things that have gone up, like furniture, household products, audio and visual equipment, etc. And uh, the because the prices are going low for other things, economists have encouraged people not to put off purchasing them, not to think, oh, it'll go down lower, let's wait, because people could be put off work if, uh, if everybody thinks that. Mm, um, and deflation's an issue too, isn't it? The potential for that, which normally causes people grief. Yes, it does, yes. Uh, what's the problem with deflation? Uh, well, I suppose de- deflation. Yes. Well, well, obviously it's when the, the prices come down because uh, people can afford them more, I suppose, up on paper, can't they, you know? Yes, but what's the problem? I can smell some more homework coming up here. (laughs) The problem with with deflation, yeah. We hear of inflation, of course, everyone knows about that. And deflation, you think, oh, that's good, everything's cheaper, isn't it? But uh, obviously it came in the the depression and everything, and so uh, that was a bad time. So um, presumably it's uh, not a good idea. No, it's not a good idea at all. Not a good idea at all. So... um, Looking forward, what what's the silver lining to price plunging other than that everything's cheaper? I suppose uh, we get one a, a recovery, don't we? That'll put things up once all. It's all obviously to do with the present pandemic, you know. Uh, and once that's uh, finally left us, I guess things will start to rise again. Oil prices will go up, and along with everything else. Oh, well, that's right. So we won't end up. We'll just think we're better off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Always happens. Russell, what's um this is a, a heartwarming one with a sad edge, isn't it? The next one? Yeah, from the age hearts desire a family gift to nature. Much loved Australian satirist uh, John Clark, who died of a heart attack in April twenty seventeen while doing what he loved best, the hiking and taking photos of birds in the bush with his wife Helen and friends. And what he's done John was a noted conservationist and ornithologist, and his widow, Helen MacDonald, recently donated the eight, their eight-hectare property that they owned to the Victorian conservation organisation Trust for Nature on the uh, real inlet on Phillip Island there. The area is recognised as a globally significant wetland, and yeah, they lived part-time on the island for 37 years, bought the eight-hectare property in 1999. That was already under a conservation uh, covenant. Now, they did wonderful things here. They encouraged the regrowth of indigenous grasses, orchids and swamp paper, paper bark, and eradicated weeds, and they allowed fallen wood to accumulate for habitat. They also erected wallaby enclosures and planted 2,000 indigenous plant varieties. And the Trust for Nature, the Port Phillip and Western Port manager Ben Cullen, said the gift provides the new opportunities for threatened species management in the area. So a great legacy there. A great legacy, and that's in that complements the satirical legacy, the political satirical legacy that was uh, was left to us um, uh, by uh, that much-loved satirist John Clark. It's three years now. Gosh, time flies. Now, odd spot, we'll read the... The homework is I had to do one, you had to do one, make one up, and the real one. Well, we'll get the real one out of the road first. Russ, you want to read it out? Yeah, two men purporting to represent a major roof repair company 
provided a quotation for roof repairs to a retired couple living in Tucson, Arizona in the United States. Unbeknown to them, the elderly couple's son was the owner of that company, <laughs> the, one, the one they said they were representing. And to the men's surprise, when they returned a day later to pick up their deposit of $1,000 for commencing work, they were greeted by two local police officers <laughs> who promptly arrested them. They, apparently they'd been conducting the scam for over two months before being apprehended and are now awaiting trial. <laughs> <laughs> well, oh, goodness. It's, the irony behind some of these, Russell, is fascinating, isn't it? It is, yeah. It's right. something you'd love to happen, and this time it did happen. Yes, they got stung themselves. Now, <clears throat> ours. Do you want to read yours out first? All right. Uh, this is odd spot, right. Uh, a farmer driving in Mount Raymond Regional Park near Orbost spotted a large black panther, uh, a panther-like cat. He said it stopped momentarily in front of his truck's headlights before loping off into the scrub. The farmer, Les Olson, described it as much bigger than a feral cat, and he now believes there is a panther or cougar in the forests of East Gippsland. Well, that's been a story for donkey's years, that black yeah, panther's. Yeah, but it hasn't arisen his ugly head for a long time, has it? You know? <laughs> <laughs> literally, literally, yeah. Have you ever seen a black panther in East Gippsland? Right, no, I've seen grainy pictures of what people think they are, but I've uh, never seen one of you. Uh, no, I've heard of people <laughs> seeing them. There's all these stories about back in World War II, some US uh, uh, soldiers who were stationed here brought some, some half a dozen of these carrot creatures to Australia and they were let loose around Mansfield or somewhere. It's been going on for a long time. Um, but no, we had some family friends come out a number of years ago and we took them on a trip or they went on a little trip to South Gippsland and lo and behold they're in the country five minutes and they reckon they spotted in the bush a black panther um, I'm sure it was a wallaby or something but <laughs> we just used to we're skeptical because we come from Gippsland I said look we've lived here all our all our lives we've never yeah, seen yeah. one around the hills of Streslecki the Streslecki ranges and down south there and Bulara and so on they said well maybe maybe you don't open your eyes and we thought Oh yeah, tourists come into your country. <laughs> they spot. Them. It's a bit like the people go to Loch Ness, don't they? And spot. Oh yes, Loch every year. Nessie, yeah, and the locals yeah. can't see that. I know. Well, it was a good try. That's not a bad one. That's not a bad one. Now, <clears throat> my one. Right. <laughs> What's this? More than thirty years ago, a man attempted to sail from Italy to Polynesia, but ended up on a small island of Sardinia. <laughs> and never left. The ex-teacher who went on to become the pristine atoll sole resident and official caretaker, my apologies, now faces being booted off the island as authorities seek to turn his hut into an observatory. The 81-year-old has warned he will do whatever it takes to remain, even if that means they have to drag me away. What do you mm. think of that one? Did you, that's a good one, yeah. Did you email that through to the age uh, for the day's paper? Cause it's, <laughs> because it's, a, it's word to word. On, remember I said at the start off here that you've got a different odd spot? And that, probably, that probably threw you in a disarray then. Uh, you mean you think I'm plagiarising? Yeah. <laughs> you think I've stolen it? Well, when I read it, I thought, uh, you know, well, when I read the, the, the one that you give, you give me, I thought, oh, that's pretty good. It's got lots of detail. But that was from a previous paper, apparently. Which, uh... <laughs> no. You want to know, Russell? 
I was talking to my clients. I said, I'm going to play a joke here on Russ. I didn't realise you'd read the paper, but I was going to get you stung. I, um, I did. Today's one <laughs> that I just read out is the real one. The two men purporting to represent a major roof repair company, that's the fake one. <laughs> now, you were sucked in because you thought I lifted that from somewhere else. So, because I know that if I'd presented it, you would have poo pooed it. But if I presented it as a real one, you would praise me. I was always a scallywag as a kid, you know. So, so, so you're telling me that one about the roof repairers? Yeah, <laughs> complete fake. I made oh, that one up. Oh, yes. Yeah, so yeah there not. you go. Now. Yeah. Oh, um, but well, you yeah. would never have complimented me if you knew that, that that was the real one. You would have said, oh, yeah, you probably <laughs> borrowed the idea of somebody else. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't get me to do homework, Russell. I always find a way. I just thought <laughs> I just thought a little bit of mischief and fun in these gloomy days <laughs> would, 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 would be welcome. You're gobsmacked, aren't you? Well, that's right. Well, I, I looked at it and I even asked you, did, did you make that one up? And you said, no, you've got to... No, I lied. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's one to Henry, isn't it? I guess so, yeah. It's a, a good one, isn't it? Yeah. It, it proves that if you really want it, you could probably make them up. I'm wondering whether yeah. they're real or not. You, you want should... someone to sit down and uh, go back. <laughs> now, all we need are the listeners to tell us which they thought was the was the best the real one that went in the age and I pretended that it wasn't yeah, your black one, panther yeah. your black panther mythological one or or the two the two roof repair characters who <laughs> got stung which was actually the fake one yeah <laughs> you won't come on air next week now will you well you said that uh, this story about mine has been around a while about the panther but of course remember the the irish tradesmen of about a year ago they were doing just for that absolutely absolutely both of us are based on the half-truths aren't they yes (laughs) (laughs) i couldn't keep a straight face because i knew that as soon as i got a sentence or two into it you would be sitting there just like my vce English teacher was all those years ago when I was reading out my classmate's um, pricey and he knew it wasn't mine. <laughs> and <I> w- <laughs> Oh, my goodness gracious me. Some of us never change, Russell. No, it takes a long time to change. I don't think, any, don't think it'll change now either, do you? A bit late. <laughs> <laughs> Are you finished with me at homework now? Well, Banning me week, from it? Because that's what I want. <laughs> You gave me stuff about malaria treatment, which we'll, we'll, ha- we'll hold that over to next week, I think, won't we? We will do that, absolutely. Well, that takes us out. Well, um, thanks again. You have a good and safe weekend, Russ. Yes, same to you. And we'll catch up in a week's time. We will. That was Russell Hanby. He's a good scout. I don't know how he puts up with me, listeners. We'll take a short break. Don't go away. Mm-hmm. 